Hi, y'all. It's Angela. I'm back for another episode of Business Unveiled. And we are going to talk all about some really amazing, fun stuff that you are going to want to know and things that you're going to want to listen. Because if you own a business and you're an entrepreneur and you're paying your taxes, you're going to want to know some of these myths that we're going to talk about today. So I'm going to bring on author and small business tax strategist. Now, don't be afraid when I say tax or strategist because she's totally <laughs> normal. She's totally fun. And we're going to be talking all about how you can minimize your income taxes. And again, I know it's not fun, but how would you feel if I told you that she's going to tell us how we can keep more of our hard earned cash? And so she's going to de debunk some of those myths today. So Wendy Barlin, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's wonderful to be here. I can almost feel the prickle when you say tax, but you know what? We really can make it fun. <laughs> even, uh, even though you're a tax advisor and then a business strategist, we all on this podcast care about profit and anyone listening Sometimes I run into, especially women, they think that it's wrong to do something they love doing and they're passionate about doing it. And they think there's something wrong with making a profit off of it. And I'm like, what is wrong with you? Right. <laughs> so well, I, I would say that, you know, profit is not a dirty word. No. Uh, you can do so much with profit. First, you take care of yourself, but mm -hmm. then you can take care of others. And it is charitable to make a profit and then share it. Yeah. And that's why I say money is always a tool. And the more money you have, the more you can help people and you can use it as a tool to get to other places, like places right. meaning helping people. And so today you're going to share with us five ways that we can save money on taxes. And I'm so excited because it's around tax season, but you know, because of all that's going on in the world right now, it's going to be an abnormal tax year with deadlines, which that's, you know, fun, but <laughs> not really. <laughs> but I'm just wondering before we jump into all of that, take us back to where your journey began as how did you know you loved numbers and how did you know that you wanted to help people understand and strategize about their taxes? Welcome to Business Unveiled, the podcast designed to help you thrive in the creative community. Here's your host, events and productivity consultant, Angela Profit. What's up, GSD leaders? Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Business Unveiled, where we share expert tips and secrets from top creative industry professionals. You know we're going to take you behind the scenes of our experiences, share with you what we've learned from them, and how it's made us stronger. Because no one said it's easy owning a business, right? But it's a lot more fun when you've got a strong support team around you. And that's exactly what we do at GSD Creative. We're right there by your side. And I'm so excited that you've chosen this podcast to take the first step in growing a productive, profitable, and successful, wildly successful business within the hospitality and creative industry. Today's podcast is being brought to you by one of my favorite platforms, Kajabi. 
So stop trading your time for money. Kajabi provides digital entrepreneurs an all-in-one platform which enables you to create a life of freedom on your terms, whatever that may be. Everything is housed under one platform. So there's really no need for multiple services. Kajabi really has all of the tools that you need in one place if you're looking for a home to share your knowledge and build online courses. You have a community of like-minded people with proven success in selling knowledge online and the support with Kajabi is amazing. Give it a try today bit.ly slash AP Kajabi. So I grew up in South Africa in a very traditional home where my mother didn't work, only my dad did. And he was not an easy man to live with. And I remember being 12 or 13 and my dad just yelling at my mom about something ridiculous, like she put the cup in the wrong place or she hadn't stirred his tea correctly. And I said to her, can we just leave? Like, why don't we just go? Why don't you let him talk to you like this? And yep. she said to me, we have nowhere to go. I have no choice. I can't take care of us. We have to stay. And I think while I didn't grow up wanting to be an accountant, I wanted to be Cinderella like everybody else. I think that moment for me was the moment that said, all right, I get how this goes. This is not going to be me. Um, and I said about choosing a career and choosing a path that would always mean I could take care of me and a child and children if I needed to, and that I was never going to be in that position. And I think that's why I chose accounting. That's why I do what I do today. And in working with my clients, both men and women, I am always teaching them to have choices, that money is going to buy them choices. And that's the place I came to. I came to America in 1997 with a bag of dirty clothes, living <laughs> the American dream. But I really, I really believe in the dream because I, I've bought and sold businesses and bought and sold houses and been divorced and paid off debt and you name it, I have lived the American life and I'm teaching others what I've learned along the way, but always with the eye on money gives you choices. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I know that when we were just chatting before I started to recording, like you're a normal person, like it's more than just about being an accountant. And I love how you say it. Like you can give people not just choices, but better choices on how they're going to manage not only their financial operations from a personal strategy, but then when you put business on top of personal, it can get so not clear, so gray, gray water. Yeah. Because, because business is personal too. We're all yeah. people, you know, even the IRS are just people. Right. So we're all people. And I get the same marketing emails you do about deals and discounts and buy now or lose this opportunity. And I have those same choices every day. And I'm faced with the same credit card debt that everybody else is. I have financial training, which helps and it gives me clarity, but I'm faced with the same choices you are every day. And so I'm with you in that we are learning together strategies to do better. I can do better. We can all do better. So what's the first thing that we can do as business owners 
to really keep more of the money in our pocket that we work so hard for? (laughs) Number one, and this is for business and personal, is to have a good system. You've got to have a good system to keep track of your money. Going to the ATM and pulling out a receipt, that is not a system. So it doesn't have to be something as sophisticated as QuickBooks. There are so many different apps out there that allow you to track your money. Track your money in and track your money out. And I'll tell you, I have clients, uh, three lovely young women who decided to get into the real estate business. So flipping houses. And they uh, came to me with a beautiful Excel spreadsheet of all the money they'd taken in and all the money they'd spent. And I said to, and they said, oh, we have $40,000 in profit. We're going to owe tax. And I said, "Mm, I don't trust Excel spreadsheets. I've been doing this a long time. How about I take this data and I put it into QuickBooks. If I come up with a better number than you do, then you pay for your tax return. If your number is better than mine, I will do your tax return for free. Wow. You're enough. I put all the data in. It turns out they actually had a $10,000 loss and they didn't owe any tax at all. And you know why? It was a formula error in one of their line items in Excel. One error in Excel. And so the story I tell you is please don't short circuit your record keeping system. It's not fun. Nobody loves keeping track of their dollars in and dollars out. But when you do, you will find additional deductions. So I don't mind what system you use, but please don't use a pen and paper. Please don't wait until December Mm -hmm. and add up all your receipts. I literally guarantee you the price of a tax return that you will be leaving money on the table that way. So what I really recommend is find a system you like, QuickBooks, Wave, Mint, you name it, and do it religiously every single Friday. Every Friday is money day in my life and in my office. And every Friday, we put our data into the system and run our reports. That way, you know where every dollar is that you are able to deduct. Well, and also, too, for me, I mean, there were so many years where I wasn't paying attention. And, you know, I had an accountant and they were kind of paying attention. But one thing that it helped us do we do it the first of every month. I think weekly would be even better, but we caught a lot of fraud, unfortunately. And when you don't catch it quick enough and all of a sudden it's like these hackers, they're smart. You know, they'll take a little bit and a little bit and a little bit, but not like a whole lot at one time. And it's almost like they're testing to see how much they can get from you before you realize like, oh shit, somebody stole my card. (laughs) And when you're running a business and you're busy and you have multiple accounts that go into multiple things, it's very easy to get hacked, unfortunately. So for me, that's one thing that really helped me understand like, oh my gosh, I need to to keep up with this. Um, what are your thoughts on rules and how don't they change so frequently? Like as a, a, an accountant and advising people on their taxes, how do you recommend people keep up with all of those changes? That's a great question. And my favorite piece about that is to stay in your lane. So I work with a very narrow niche of clients. I only work with people in the U.S. 
I only work with people who are in service-based businesses, largely in production, entertainment, and the data services. So when it comes to keeping my knowledge updated, there are only a couple of journals that I have to read every day to stay updated on knowledge. Nobody knows everything. And if your accountant or whoever's advising you is a generalist, they know a little about a little. (laughs) And so it's really important to stay in your lane and know what you know. That being said, I'm going to save you all four years of accounting school and tell you the piece of the law that has never changed is that any expense is deductible as long as it is ordinary and necessary for your business. That's actually what the tax law says. Any expense is deductible as long as it is ordinary and necessary for your business. That has never changed. And so I want everybody to write that down because as you leave here today, every time you spend a dollar, you're going to say to yourself, was this expense ordinary and necessary for my business? And if yes, it was deductible. There are a few caveats of no, like the gym and clothing. And it wouldn't be IRS if there weren't some no's. But in general, (laughs) in the big scheme of things, ordinary and necessary, and that has not changed. I love that. Do you ever have people, which I know like, you know, at Starbucks and if I have like a coffee meeting or, you know, a dinner meeting with someone talking about, it's like, is it really necessary to go spend a hundred dollars on a steak when I could just have eaten a hamburger? (laughs) You know, it's like when, when people say that to me, it's like, do you really have to go to these nice places? It's like, listen, if I'm going to be servicing a certain type of client with certain certain type of expectations, then I have to meet them where they are. And I'm not asking them to come down if I just want a cheap meal. If they're used to eating a specific type of meal, then we're going to have what they want because they're a client. So I know that um, I, f- I feel like through the years, the I feel like the rules have changed where when I started a business almost 20 years ago, I could write off everything, you know, where in terms of like food and eating with my team and my clients, and then it changed. And so is that across the board for every, I guess, would you say it doesn't matter? Like if you're in entertainment or you're in healthcare, is that I the think same it does type? matter, Angela. I think it does matter. I think the piece of the law that you're alluding to is the entertainment piece. So you can still deduct all your meals. Um, the piece that you can no longer deduct is the entertainment part. So if you take clients to a football game and buy tickets or buy tickets to the theater, that level of entertainment is no longer deductible, oh. but your meals certainly are. And what I will say is, yes, that's why you need to be working with a professional that understands your industry. So I work with a lot of bloggers. And if you're a food blogger, then yes, that's all considered research. Mm -hmm. If you're a travel blogger and you travel the world, that's research. And so it's really important to understand the industry that you're in and the norms within that industry. Yeah, because it's different, it seems like, for every industry. Correct. So what is the second thing that we should do to keep money in our pocket? Is if you do, in fact, work from home, please take the home office deduction. 
There are 5 million Americans taking a home office deduction. When I came here in 1997, the IRS used to show up with a badge and say, please show me your office. But if you've ever called over there, especially now, there's no one there. So they're not coming. A home office deduction is absolutely legitimate. And when people come into my office and say, oh, my accountant said, if you take a home office, you're going to get audited. That couldn't be further from the truth. Those accountants are people who have not continued their education in 20 years. It Got does it. not mean you'll get audited. The only thing is to understand that it really needs to be your primary office. So you can't have two offices and deduct them both. It needs to be your primary office. If you really do work from home, then please take that deduction. So for example, I have um, a, a co-working suite, but I don't have an office in a high rise building with my name on the door. It's somewhere that the mail goes and I use the conference room because I primarily work from home. So I take a home office deduction. So please don't be shy to ask your accountant, why are we not taking the home office deduction? It absolutely does not mean you'll get audited. I don't, it's like people make up the funniest shit sometimes. I know, right? Like, <laughs> I'm like, who told you this? Like literally someone hears parts and pieces of what one person says and then they make up the rest in their head and it, it, my mother does it all the time. We'll be driving somewhere like in the middle of nowhere. This happened recently and there was, we were like literally driving around a mountain going to a gym meet before all the COVID crap. Right. And, and she saw all this falling rock and there were like all these nets up, you know, for safety. And she's like, I bet you anything, somebody was driving by here and a rock fell and it probably got like got on their car and killed everyone. And, that, and I'm like, mom, why are you making that up? Like who told you that? <laughs> and she makes up these stories in her head. I mean, it's like very entertaining, but sometimes I'm like, what are you thinking in that head? And so sometimes I feel like entrepreneurs like make things up in their head where it creates more anxiety for them. I, I don't know why, um, but yeah, it, it's just, it's crazy. Um, sometimes it's your neighbor who made it up and then tells you because a yeah. lot of times I'll tell you Monday morning in my office is crazy. The phone rings off the hook on Monday mornings with people calling saying, uh, I was talking to a friend on the weekend and she said, mm -hmm. okay, now I've got to hear what this friend read on Google and yep. piece together as apparently tax law. And so that's really often where I, it just makes me cringe, but I'll, <laughs> I, I'm just as susceptible to it as you are. I, my daughter was having some stomach pains and I thought the doctor's uh, was, diagnosis didn't really make sense. So I went to WebMD, did mm -hmm. some research, and then I heard myself on the phone saying to the doctor, well, I was researching on the internet and I found and I thought, oh no, I've become <laughs> one of those people. That's like the, so when I worked in healthcare, I mean, still to this day, it's like they all laugh because when people are saying, well, Google said, That's and, right. You know, it's like, and now with all of this, um, you know, stay home and stay safe and stay healthy, like telemedicine has become really big, you know, where yeah. you just go on your computer and you have a consult with the doctor and they write a script if they feel like they could diagnose it through the computer and then, or they send you a in-home test kit and they talk you through 
how to properly use it. And I mean, yeah. I'm not going to lie, like I'm okay with that, especially right. if it keeps me safer and healthy from having to go to a hospital with a bunch of sick people. Right. Where it's like going to make me susceptible to like get something way worse than just right. a common cold or something. So I, I love technology and where it can take us. Um, yeah. So I know that but you it's out of have limitations to- and that's why, yeah. uh, that's why I uh, wrote my book last year because I was so tired of people turning to Google for tax advice and then calling me and, and I can't help everybody much as I'd like, I can't help everybody. And it just broke my heart that all these small business owners had nowhere to turn to get the very most basic tax questions answered and Google was leading them astray. Yeah. I love your book. It's called That's Deductible. And um, for those of you listening, you've got to go see the front of the book. It's so cute. It's this lady and she's like, give me my money. And this man's sitting there with a brown paper bag (laughs) with the money like literally spilling over. And it's like simple tips and tricks to find more business tax deductions. And I will also say too, that like you just hit it on the head a minute ago when you said using accountants that don't keep up with like what is happening in the industry. And like, I can tell when, I mean, even my accountant was my accountant for about 15 years. And over the past five years, things have really changed for us in terms of where our revenue is coming from, from online businesses. And if that accountant is stuck in their old ways. And as you grow as a business, if you completely pivot and change to, to an online business, which, oh my God, it's like happening right now. Like we're planning more online events and experiences for clients than we ever have. And I'm learning new platforms and I'm having to invest in new software, which, you know, when it comes tax time next year, I can write all that off. And so, but if the accountant isn't keeping up, then I'm going to have to, you know, find a new accountant because they, they aren't keeping up with, with what's going on. Um, I know that you have a team and you have people that advise people. You also do the accounting and the bookkeeping and the tax compliance. So do you really consider yourself like full agency for someone who needs all of that we're really focused on you know the people we absolutely can help and we don't work with everybody for that reason we um we're yes we do the bookkeeping and we do the tax returns but the biggest value that we and people like us offer is we're here to answer your questions Mm -hmm. and i think that's also the difference between old style accountants and more current type accountants where we charge a subscription type model which allows you unlimited access to us so you email or call and someone gets back to you same day either via text or email and you don't have to worry about somebody waiting three days to get back to you and then charging you to have the discussion so when i say to you angela how was your vacation you can actually tell me without worry, being worried that we're incurring a, a bill. Yeah. Yeah. But it I mean, makes it's for a nicer so relationship, you know, because then we're in the relationship business. Gotcha. Yeah. I, I love that. And relationships will take you a long way when you are completely 
there for your client. And I feel like the more questions you have and the more answers you provide, you provide like almost a sense of peace and clarity for the clients that are over there worrying about something. So there's so much to worry about. You know, the other thing I want to make sure we cover today while you were talking about it is receipts. Mm-hmm. And there's this misnomer out there that a credit card statement is proof of payment, but it's not. According to IRS law, you must have an actual itemized receipt. So just because your credit card statement says Best Buy or Marriott, that does not make for a deduction. And under audit, that will be thrown out. You actually have to have a real receipt. Now, it doesn't have to be a piece of paper. It can be a PDF that you have saved, or it can be a photograph that you've taken with your phone. But you actually have to have a receipt. So a bank statement and a credit card statement are not receipts. When you travel, you need to have a boarding pass to show it was you who got on that plane. When you leave a hotel, you need the long form folio that shows room service charge, movie fee, dine-in fee. You actually need that for receipts. The only way out of that is if you spent less than $25. For any expense less than $25, you do not need a receipt. But I cannot stress how important this is. A couple of years ago, I took on a new client. They came from another CPA who went to jail. Horrifying. I should have known how to touch them. But two (laughs) young guys, and they spent a lot of money on meals in bars. And they got audited because their accountant went to jail. They pulled all his clients and audited them. So I went along with them to the audit and the lady said to the first young man, his name was Jason, she said, Jason, do you have receipts? And I kicked him under the table. I said, yes, ma'am, of course we have receipts. And she checked the box and she said, okay, thanks very much. And off we went. The next young guy came in and she said, do you have receipts? And before I could even get his attention, he said, oh, no, I don't have, I just have my credit card statements. Is that good? Well, she pulled out a long form piece of paper, $8,000 later in taxes because he did not have receipts. So it's really, really, really critical that you keep receipts because in the event of an audit, you will be asked to produce them. I just, I don't understand because like nowadays with the QuickBooks app, with Expensify, with Evernote, um, I mean, we, I call it potty train my brain, like to be funny, but for real, because everybody in some point in their life has experienced some form of potty training. If you don't have kids, (laughs) most people have dogs or cats or birds or something. And so it's like, when we leave a restaurant or I'm shopping, which most of the time I'm shopping online now and it sends me a receipt and then it goes right into that folder, but we take a picture of every single thing. And the great thing about Evernote, we used Evernote for a long time because anything with handwritten notes on it, like at the top, if it was like dinner with Charlie and fiance about wedding, Um, you know, all of that was searchable. And then QuickBooks came out with, where, with the app where you could just scan the receipts and then it, it does it by month for you. And so so easy, isn't it? I mean, it's really easy. Yes. And I don't, and people still don't do it. I don't don't either. I really don't understand either, but I think it's one of those, um, 
where we have a block, you know, we just have a block against certain things. And when I say to people, how much do you spend on clothing? They go, no, nothing. And I have to tell you, I'm guilty of that. I, I would have told you that I don't spend any money on clothing because I never go to the mall. I hate the mall. I think it's full of stupid people. Mm -hmm. So I never go. So I would tell you that I'm not a shopper. But when I run my Quicken reports at the end of the year, I shop at night on my phone. And so that kind of doesn't count because I don't drive anywhere. And it's the same kind of thing where we all have black holes. We all have areas that we kind of choose to ignore in our lives. Mm -hmm. And I think for a lot of people, the capturing of the receipts just feels like such drudgery that even though it is relatively easy to do today, I think a lot of people just don't want to do it. Almost like, I don't want to budget. Stop telling me what to do. But I'll tell you, it will save you thousands if heaven forbid you get audited. Yeah. Have you gone through a ton of audits in your in your experience that have just been? Yeah. In 25 years I have. And I will say that um, most of them are actually really not a problem because the IRS are people too. Yeah. And if you can be humble and polite and honest. They will help you. The only time we have trouble is when clients want to hire a lawyer and they want to fight or they come in with an attitude. But for the most part, these are people too just trying to do their job. Uh, And I really found that. I will also say that the highest audit rates we see are on unincorporated businesses. So sole proprietors are across the country the highest rate of audit. And so I always tell my clients, if you want to be very aggressive for taxes and you want to play in the gray area, then go and get a corporation, at least um, do it behind a corporate veil. When you Mm -hmm. do it on your own personal tax return, you're opening yourself up for a world of hurt. Absolutely. And I was going to ask you, like, how, like, for people listening today, and if they're thinking, like, should I incorporate or what, what's the different type of entity? Like, I know I started out as a sole proprietor because it was just for fun. It was side hustle. And then after a few years, it was actually my accountant who said, you know, you're actually dealing with a lot of money now and you're dealing with clients that, if something were to happen to their wedding or their event, it, I mean, some of these people spend more than what my house and car would ever be worth. And right. so he's like, you know, you really need to be an LLC and let's separate your personal assets. And, you know, at the time I was just kind of like, okay, I'll do whatever you say. Cause whatever is best. Like I didn't understand. And so he introduced me to an attorney and, you know, it's a couple thousand dollars or, or whatever, but now being drugged to court multiple times because of crazy people, not because of me, but I was painted. <laughs> um, I'm like so thankful when I was a young business owner that he looked at me and said, we need to do this. This is the right thing to do. So if someone doesn't have that person in their life, how would they know when they should incorporate? Yeah, I think it really... It really works. It will pay for itself when you're making $100,000. That's kind of the easy place I tell people. If you're making $100,000 or more, you need to have that conversation with a professional and see if it's a good fit for you. When you're making less than $100,000, there are reasons to incorporate that are not necessarily financial. So it won't necessarily 
save you tax money, but it will, like you say, offer a level of protection, a level of separation from your life. It'll make you feel like a grown-up, but it also comes with a lot of paperwork and a lot of headache. So I have some clients who make millions of dollars and they still don't incorporate. They understand that they may very well be overpaying their taxes, but they don't want the headache. They want to keep life really simple. And by carrying really good liability insurance, they're fine. So I really mean it's a very personal choice for your life, but I think it's an important discussion to have and it's important discussion to have with a professional. Please don't turn to the internet for this. I have so many people coming into my office with an entity that they chose based on research they did on Google, and it is completely the wrong entity for them. There are so many different kinds of entities. There are so many different choices. Some might work for you and others might not. So the first step is, do I even need or want to incorporate? And then if you do, which is the right entity type for you? So would you say, so the first thing is if you're making over a certain amount of money, you should definitely look into doing that or yes. just entertain it. Yes. No, you should definitely look into doing it. If you're making $100,000 or more, you should absolutely look into doing it. If you're making less, but you'd still like to do it and find out about it and learn, then I highly recommend pay for an hour or two of a professional's time and get yourself educated. Yeah, it makes me think back to when I was doing a trademark for a company and I remember Googling it and looking at it online. I'm like, well, I can, you know, pay $300 and file this or I can pay $2,500 <laughs> to a trademark attorney to actually, you know, go through it all. And I gave my client the choice. I'm like, do you want me to just file it online or do you want to go through the attorney? And like now looking back, I was such an idiot. I'm like, why did I even ask them? I'm like, I always need to go through the attorney. Like that brand ended up being a huge brand and went on to not only serving people in the United States, but serving people globally, which was way over my head. And that is worth way more than just filing an application and paying $300. Like I'm not a trademark attorney. So yeah, I've, I've learned my lesson. <laughs> I'm with you. I've learned, I, th I really think it's so important for all of us to know what we know. And people come to me, oh, well, my accountant files legal forms for me. Why won't you? <laughs> you know what? I'm not a lawyer. I don't no. I, Could I file the forms? Just like you're saying, I'm sure I could probably figure it out, but it's not my zone of genius. Why would I go there? Um, so I'm a really big believer in know what you know and know what you don't know. Yeah. Stay in your lane. Like you said, yeah. <laughs> stay in your lane. So I know that you um, grew up in Cape Town, which I'm so sad because I was supposed to be there right now for oh, a conference. No. <laughs> and I was so excited to go because I've never been. And there were some amazing locations that I was going to get to tour for like weddings and events and just honeymoons for clients. And so I don't know when I'll be able to go. Um, but how did you get from Cape Town to LA? Like, wh how did you get to the, the U.S.? Like, are you decided to move to the U.S.? Yeah, it was always a dream of mine to live in, in the U.S. You know, I grew up watching U.S. TV and Coca-Cola and Nike, and this is where I wanted to be. But um, I backpacked around the world for a year. And one of the places I landed was Los Angeles. And I just fell in love with the city. 
people think I'm crazy, but it really is a city of such fire and energy where everybody has a dream. Everybody has a dream. I've lived in other parts of the country and as wonderful as they are for whatever reason, they are wonderful. Um, the sense of I can be and do anything I want to do. I felt that the most in LA. So I was really fortunate and I ended up um, being offered a job because they needed accountants here in LA. We were on the approved list. So I was able to get a green card and come and work and I never looked back, but I literally came with a bag of dirty clothes. That is such a great story though. <laughs> like it's like something out of a book or a movie. <laughs> Really? You know, one day, right? One day. <laughs> really? So how do you help your clients understand cash flow strategies? I think the best solution I have found, and nobody realized they were going to get homework today, right? But everybody's getting homework. Your homework for today is to read the book Profit First by Mike Michalowicz or listen to the Audible. The Audible is actually fabulous. I found, mm -hmm, I found Profit First about three years ago, and it has changed my life, and it has changed my clients' lives. It is, in 25 years of being an accountant, it is the only system I have come across that intuitively makes sense and is simple enough to follow in teaching us how to manage our cash. This isn't about financial statements. This isn't about accounting principles. This is about green money. When it comes in, what do I do with it? How do I save for taxes? How do, I, how do I know what I can afford to spend on marketing? These are the questions that people would ask me. And we kind of made it up and went along. But this Profit First system is the simplest way to answer the question, what can I afford? Have I set enough money aside for taxes? And it always lets you know what you can spend. I, it really, it's changed my life. That's awesome. I'm going to go listen to it. I've never listened to it, but I love Audible. So that's amazing. Yeah, the um, Audible is better because it's actually Mike himself. And he tells a lot of his personal stories um, in the Audible that didn't make the book. Oh, gotcha. Okay, good to know. Good to know. Um, if people were making a list to go hire and work with a CPA, what questions should people be asking when they're choosing to work with a CPA? I think it's the same questions you would ask in working with any professional, a doctor, a lawyer. Um, really what you want is someone who's going to do most of the listening and not most of the talking. It's critical that any professional really listens to you, listens to who you are, what you want, what your concerns are, and doesn't do most of the talking. The worst thing is for someone who spends an entire hour telling you how wonderful they are, how much money they're gonna save you, and that really the best thing you could do for yourself is to work with them. Let, let your stomach turn over and say to yourself, <laughs> no, 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 not a good person. You really wanna go with someone who listens and someone who you feel comfortable with because as we've been talking about today, this is a very personal conversation that you're going to be having with this person for the next 20 years of your life. You're going to go places you didn't think you were going to go. So I really recommend that you have comfort with this person, comfort to be able to ask anything 
and not feel judged. Yeah. And that's so important. I know, like um, you mentioned earlier, you know, we grow up to like live this American dream. And I thought I was, you know, didn't really have a lot of choices. And so I was married at a young age and then divorced at a young age. I'm like, yeah. I didn't sign up for this. And shit happens. You know, I didn't know that when I was getting married, I was incurring over $50,000 of student loan debt from someone else who had a basketball scholarship. How do you incur student loan debt when you're on scholarship? I (laughs) didn't understand that until, you know, I got a little bit wiser and then when you go through a divorce and then it's like, oh my gosh, because of you now, this is, you know, so it's like, you just have to take control. And I worked very hard, three jobs to, because I just let it hung over. I, it was hanging over my head all the time of like, I need to pay this off and I need to pay this off and I need to pay this off. And so, but I, again, I was so young. I didn't really understand like how I was going to do it and what I was going to do it. And then once I hired like a real accountant, you know, like, and and he just explained it and mapped it out and I slept better at night. Like as silly as it sounds, like I really did. And no one ever took me and sat down and said, you know, like you said, here are your choices and here are the things that we can do. And here are your refinancing options. And that's when I learned about interest rates and like things (laughs) just gave me a headache to think about, but it really is important to educate yourself on these things. And to to keep asking and to keep asking. I've been in that place where, you know, we're embarrassed to ask because we don't want someone to think we're stupid, but you need to asking. And that's why you need to work with an advisor who doesn't make you feel stupid, where it's okay to keep asking. I I keep asking still. I work with financial advisors, people who uh, pick stocks, you know, I don't know anything about that. And I will ask over and over again. I'm sorry, I don't understand. Can you please explain again? Because we need to learn. And these advisors need to use words when they explain Mm -hmm. that we understand and not words that they understand <laughs> that's right. their job is to is to explain to us in words we understand and really think that's important yes i'm like english please um <laughs> I, I don't speak your language awesome. so so going back to those five ways that we're going to save money on taxes so number one was have a system number two is make sure that if you're working from home write it off is number three understanding the best way to either incorporate or what entity should you be? Is that your number three tip? Actually, number three is to make sure you always have a receipt. Receipt Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. Um, Right. Number three is receipts. Uh, Number four is understanding your entity choices. What's the best entity for you? And don't just pick one. Gotcha. And And then the last one is about income tax planning. Oh, tell us about that. (laughs) Yeah, so this is what most people also don't know. Taxes are cash-based. That means that when the year-end closes on December 31st, whatever you've put into your bank account and whatever you've spent, that's what you're going to pay tax on at the end of the day. So no matter how smart your accountant is, if you do nothing and show up once a year with your records to get a tax return prepared, that accountant cannot do anything to help you. The best they can do is manipulate the numbers or move them around based on what you give them. 
the real value of working with an advisor is in the last quarter of the year. So our December is our busiest month. I know it's really miserable. I'm the only one that doesn't take a Christmas vacation. Um, December is very busy for us because every client has to come in and we do a tax plan where we say, how much have you deposited? How much have you spent? How much are you still going to deposit? Because what you want to make sure is that you stay within a tax bracket, that depositing one more client check doesn't put you into a higher tax bracket, at which point you pay more tax, may lose some deductions, may lose some credits. So you want to be really clear about how much you'll owe and what your tax bracket is and the best strategy going into the year end. Very often people say, I need a new computer. Should I buy it in December? Or should I buy it in January? So rather than just guess, we want to be strategic about that and say, all right, well, what does your tax burden look like for this year versus next year? Do you need the deduction now? Or did you have a really bad year and you're actually going to need the deduction next year? So these are the strategies that we put in place in the last quarter of the year. And it's really, really, really important to do tax planning. Ah, that's really good. Yeah, that would make sense because in quarter four, you're right. Like my accountant would say <laughs> one year, he's like, Do you, you need a van, right? You need a, a new trailer. And I was like, what? I don't want another trailer. I just sold <laughs> a bunch of shit. Like, <laughs> I actually don't want to haul anything. And I, this was when I was like doing full on production and I was going to move and downsize and I was going to get an, a smaller car. So I would stop telling people I would haul their shit around. Right. And I'm like, well, I do need a smaller car, but, and like, I so didn't get it. And he's like, no, I'm telling you, do you want to go invest in some things? <laughs> Or do you want to give your money to the IRS? And I was like, oh, you're giving me choices, smarter choices. Okay. Like I, you know, I have the dumb blonde moments where it just goes over my head and he's just trying to like help. And so, you know, I did go buy a trailer and now it became like the family trailer where it's like people use it every weekend. I feel like, I mean, that was your ago. but it sits in my mother's barn now because I don't use it. Um, yeah. So but that's an exactly perfect example. Exactly. And if you'd done yeah. nothing, you would have paid all that extra money over to the government for no good reason other than yep. you did no planning. Yep. And that is, it's so strategic. Like that's so true. It's quarter four is so important. Yeah. So, so, so important. This has been so helpful and so much fun. If people want to reach out to you, what is the best way for them to find you? Oh, thank you, Angela. Yes. So my website aboutprofit.com is the best way to reach me. You can actually book a 30 minute call with me right there for free on the website. My calendar is up there. Pick a date that works for you. Uh, you can schedule a call. You can also download the first two chapters of my book for free at aboutprofit.com. That's awesome. And we'll put everything in the show notes. It's P-R-O-F-I-T. It's the right way to spell profit. <laughs> And then I want you guys to also check out her book, That's Deductible, because it seems so simple to read these tips and find out about these tricks, especially if you are new and you're not sure if you're actually ready to take a leap and add someone on your team that is a CPA or an accountant, which I learned last year 
now going into this year, because some things have changed with our business and our revenue, we have a bookkeeper and then we have our tax accountant and then they work together. So do you find that to be normal where people are having two different teams or do you think that's just where some small companies only service certain things? I think it really, it's a personal choice. Some of it is a function of okay. budget. The issue I have with that is we need to know that the bookkeeper is doing a, a good job because the worst thing that can happen for me is that I have clients who have their own bookkeepers and then the financials and the work comes to me so we can do the planning together and it's not good. It's pretty gotcha. ugly. Now it's got to go back to the bookkeeper to be fixed. I can't do my job. I can't help you if we're looking at bad numbers. So I love that. And it definitely works to have different people, you know, putting their heads together. The only downside of that is you have to make sure that the bookkeeper you're working with is doing a great job. Otherwise you end up double paying, right? Because now they're going to pay me a whole lot more money to clean up this person's mess. Right. Where it's all under one roof. Sometimes it's easier and cheaper, but we, we see it done a lot of different ways. And, and as you will know, I'm extremely honest and I don't hold back. So I'll be the first to say, Angela, your bookkeeper is horrible. Um, or if you have a good one, I'll say they're fantastic. Can I have their number? Yeah. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Well, Whitney, thank you so much for being here today and for sharing your top five tips. And everybody that's listening, be sure to, if you don't have an accountant or a CPA that you're working with, please reach out to Wendy and schedule that 30-minute call just to see how her and her team can help change your business. And Wendy, thank you for being here today. Thank you so much, Angela. It's been a pleasure. Awesome. And everyone that's listening, thank you so, so much for your time today. And be sure to tune in next week to another episode of Business Unveiled. Have a great day. Bye. Now that you have all the tools you need to conquer the world in GSD, just share this with your friends and your fellow GSD leaders. And be sure you're a subscriber so you never miss the juicy details of Business Unveiled. And you can ask Siri to listen to the latest episode, but you got to be a subscriber. Before I go, I have a huge favor to ask, and it would mean the world to me. While you're listening, snap a quick screenshot, post it to your Instagram story, tag me at gsdleader underscore, and share with me your top takeaway from this episode and how it relates to you. Until next time, remember, stay productive and profitable. You've been listening to Business Unveiled with Angela Profit. Join us next time as we share our experiences to help you be more productive and profitable in your creative business. For more great resources, visit AngelaProfit.com.